0: It is Sunday, August 21st, 2022. It's the Week in Review. It's the biggest show of the week for this podcast. And I'm glad you're here because we've got two weeks until Clash at the Castle. And WWE right now is going through a bit of a transformation week by week. We're starting to see the imprints of Triple H's vision for WWE every week. Just a little bit, right? Just a little bit here and there. A a more... Centralized focus on wrestling matches, easier to understand storylines, little things here and there from a production standpoint with camera angles and promos that are tweaks, not overhauls, that are adding up to a larger feel that this product has and adding talent back, which creates the actual environment Of anything could happen rather than telling us they're showing us anything can happen. And it's becoming a much more fun product to to watch. And, of course, with those rumors circulating that Raw could go back to two hours and that WWE or Triple H is going to be more focused on a professional wrestling approach. Of course, we'll have to see if those things play out long term. But there's, there's encouraging signs to just get back to basics. I know that's not exactly a a really exciting model to have. It's not one that's going to win any prizes, but it's one that is going to work. Professional wrestling doesn't need to be rethought, reworked, re reconfigured. It just is what it is, and it is a success because... It's a, it's a form of entertainment that is easy to understand when it's at its best with deep characters, uh, easy to understand storylines, and great action. I mean, that's that's it. And it seems as if in the short time Triple H has been at the helm to be something that is taking shape. And it seems as if right now, again, speaking on August 21st, 2022, that Triple H is coming across as kind of a, a player's manager, if that makes sense, somebody that actually, no pun intended, but a, a clever one here, played the game and became a Hall of Famer and then went into management and is now at the top of his career from a professional a professional standpoint outside of the ring. And he, with that said, he seems to be a player's manager, meaning he seems to be, at this moment, more relaxed with what's going on in the company from a, a promo standpoint. Uh, you know, it seems as if, if I was in the company and I was a, a wrestler, I'd say, hey, I feel better with Triple H, a guy that actually went through what I'm going through right now, working at the top, rather than a, a guy that a, a, an old man that is becoming senile and is a geriatric, is, is at a geriatric state in his life? who has never really been in the ring at this level, you know? Uh, So, and again, uh, this is not the Bash Vince McMahon podcast. Vince McMahon, none of us would be here without Vince, number one. And everything outside of the last, what, like couple of months, you can say every memory of wrestling that you have in WWE that is positive and that drew you to listen to this podcast and watch wrestling in general, you can credit Vince McMahon for No, he's not solely responsible for it. Of course, you have the actual wrestlers who execute and production and video pack, all that. But my point is that Triple H's influence is being felt more and more every week. And that's a good thing so far. And it's not the final report card by any stretch of the imagination. There is a lot of body of work to go. And we are going to have times that we are really saying, what the hell is Triple H doing It's going to happen. It's going to happen, you know? But right now we need to just appreciate at least what Triple H is doing and just adding his his little flavor of what wrestling is. So, all right, let's talk about this week in WWE as we get into it here. And let me start out with Ronda Rousey getting arrested now. If you heard our SmackDown review that Michael and John did last night, um, I just... Haven't had my own opinion, so you guys can go listen to them. They broke it down nicely. They have great chemistry. I really encourage you to take a listen to our SmackDown review team. But with Ronda Rousey, now I know they were in Montreal. As Jared the King Lawler would say, it's bizarro world up in Canada. And they did cheer for a few heels that typically don't. And they were louder than the the quote unquote you know normal North American crowd outside of the large cities. But. This is now becoming a trend that I'm very concerned about. And I think that now WWE is seamlessly transitioning Rhonda back to a babyface. And I don't like it. Now, it's not that I don't like the way they're executing her being a babyface. If that's your goal, they're doing a great job. How can you not at this point, if your viewer look at this and say that they are trying to position Ronda as a baby face because she comes out this week after last week dumping a bag of cash on the table and paying her fine comes out this week and says that she's she's choosing violence as the kids would say she woke up and chose violence and the, 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 how can that not make the crowd happy i mean seeing Ronda Rousey beat a bunch of people up sometimes is fun to watch and then you get you get the, the the security guards that you know are just in costume from the local uh, wrestling promotion that they have, whatever the local one is, in Montreal. They just kind of gobbled those people up and and said, "Hey, you want to be an extra and get beat up by Ronda Rousey? Put the security shirt on and pretend to be security." Right? That's fine. Right? Like how many times have we seen that throughout the years? And seeing security get beat up is actually a lot of fun. It's an overrated or excuse me, underrated situation in professional wrestling seeing the security guards get beat up no matter who it is is just plain fun because they're so useless they're like the paul blarts of security they're just awful they can't take a bump they're you know they, they, they just get one hit and they're down they're like a 90s video game they just get you know one hit and you're down right it's it's they're just fun. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's it's good. And again, if you want to make and keep Ronda as a babyface, it's a good strategy because seeing Rhonda get try to get taken down by the man, by the authority, and then have her beat up security, and then have the police come down with Adam Pierce, um, that is a, a babyface or heel move on Adam Pierce's part, but a babyface move on on Ronda's. Because there was actually a moment there where I thought she was going to strike the police officers, and I'm looking at them trying to see how authentic they look. I was looking at them trying to figure out, okay, are, th- are these plausible police officers? And when I saw the gun on their hip, I'm like, okay, well, you know, th- I think this is legit. But there was a moment I thought that Rhonda was going to take down the police officers, and then, you know, th- then obviously she would have been arrested. It would have been a whole thing. I thought there was, there was a moment there, but she didn't. She left and didn't return. But uh, it it was still it was a good segment. It was effective. Now Rhonda on the microphone with her, her her stupid little side smile that she does as a nervous tick that no one apparently has the balls to tell her is is still very annoying. That is, however, she actually spoke pretty well into the microphone this week. She actually had conviction in her voice. That was positive. So, but overall, again, if you're trying to get her cheered, then you're doing a great job. If you're not, you might want to reevaluate your strategy. They also celebrated the 1200th edition of SmackDown. I I guess we're doing this now. Every time you hit a hundred mark, are we going to do the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and then 2000th episode of SmackDown? Like, are, are we really doing this? I mean... I don't know. I'm neutral on it, but it I, they didn't celebrate the 1100th, did they? I mean, I, again, I understand if you get to 1500, like the 500 markers, I think, are celebratory worthy, but not the the 100 markers. I'm sorry. It's just it's not. It gets a little bit overdone, and then you hear see it too much, and it's not special anymore. Anyway, so we've got, uh, let's see what else happened here. A women's tag team title tournament <laughs> with apparently the kryptonite for Michael Cole and you know what those that, that kryptonite is? there are two words: toxic attraction. for some reason, Michael Cole who kept blaming it on Bailey which is nonsense I, I, I mean you can't but how many times do you have fans screaming behind you the entire show and you're telling me that Bailey is I mean of course it was just a cover. For whatever reason he can't say toxic attraction, and he even said the wrong name. I mean, he said he called him the wrong name throughout the match, couldn't talk, couldn't say the name, had uh had um Pat McAfee on him about it a couple times, and he kept pointing to Bailey. And then at the end of the match, when they won, he said, you know, and the toxic attraction. Now, it's not a huge deal to add the, but the name of the team is the name of the team. You know? It's not the toxic attraction; it's just toxic attraction. So I know I'm splitting hairs, but when you think about it, those do have feel like they have two different meanings. So he couldn't say the name right; said the wrong name at the end of the match. I mean, Michael Cole, right here—he was kind of a mess all night. It was weird. You know, I'm not crapping on Michael Cole. You know, I don't. I think he often doesn't get the credit he deserves. I'm, I'm not an apologist for him. I'm not. You know, I don't love everything he does. I'm not saying that that's the case or. Make excuses for when he's bad. Michael Cole is very rarely bad, by the way. Uh, I I do enjoy his work generally. But he had a bad night, Uh, tongue-tied for some reason, just whatever reason that that somebody had a hex on him for uh, those two words. Just can't get it out. Let's all say it together, everybody, for Michael. Let's say it phonetically. Toxic attraction. All right. Hopefully said it slow enough. All right. But uh, this tag team title tournament, this wasn't actually supposed to be toxic attraction. It was supposed to be. Uh, it was actually supposed to be a uh, a different match with Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. Those two were supposed to. But uh, we had, uh, I guess, injuries. My, uh, Shawn Michaels announced earlier in the day that this was going to be the case because of an injury. I don't know what the injury is, who it's to or how extreme it is, but obviously it's Zoe Stark or Nikita Lyons or both that have a serious enough injury to take them out of this huge opportunity to be in the tag team title tournament. So, but this match was was good and I think that it it was it, it was fine. It, it 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 didn't hurt anyone in this match. It made sense one hundred percent for the newcomers, at least newcomers to the main roster, come up and win this matchup. As we have the kind of old guard of Sonya Deville and Natalia in the uh, in the background here, and WWE trying to showcase the younger talent, especially from NXT, and having Toxic Attraction come up and fill the spot for Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark. I 100% agree with and I do believe that 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 team even if it wasn't toxic attraction would have beaten Natalya and Sonya Deville. So, the match was good. I mean, it it, it was a lot of Bailey screaming at ringside too with EOSky and Dakota Kai. So there was that yelling at ringside. Um so that that pretty much was it. I mean, it, it was it was a decent match and now we go to round 2 of the uh, tournament. Or the semifinals, which is really round two. So, Sami Zayn also had an interesting night. Sami Zayn, who has been trying to be a part of the cool crowd in the bloodline for quite some time, finally gets to talk to Roman one on one as Roman invited him in. And it went better than expected, at least from my point of view, at least for, well, specifically for Sami. Because I kept waiting for the hammer to drop on him, and it didn't. The USOs weren't there due to "quote unquote" travel issues at the border. Maybe uh, Jay or was it is it Jay? No, Jimmy who keeps getting DWIs. Maybe they caught him at the the border. Um, of course, I'm making a really dark joke. So uh, they they weren't there. Paul Heyman's not there. It's just Roman, and and I think this may be the first time since he joined Heyman that those. Those three individuals are not there along with Roman, or at least one of them are. So this is the first time I can think Roman Reigns is alone in a long time, and it felt fresh. It felt good. Yeah, I, I don't hate the bloodline. I think it's one of the better storylines that WWE's had in several years, but it felt refreshing to not have Roman be able to lean on the wise man or the Usos. So, but Sami Zayn, however, is warming up to to Roman, and I kept thinking Roman was gonna take that smile and just turn it into a scowl, and he didn't. And he, Sami Zayn, was talking to uh, Roman Reigns about his fatal five way for the Intercontinental Championship, number one contendership, and uh, you know we had Roman say that the Intercontinental Belt would look great along you know your shoulders and the bloodline and all this, and Sami's beside himself and basically thinking that he's finally in with the big man, but we'll see. So uh, what else happened? We got the, uh, oh, the let, let's get to it here. The fatal five way for the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. So, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan. Well, you know, I'll get to hit row in a minute, but Let's talk about the good stuff here. We had Mad Cat Moss, Sheamus, Ricochet, Sami Zayn, and Baron Corbin. And boy, or Happy Corbin, Corbin got some good heat. I mean, there were some near falls there that were extremely convincing, and we had Corbin get the heat for it. And people were legitimately angry at him. And he's just a uh, an absolutely naturally born heel. Excuse me, naturally born heel. So Sammy Zayn obviously, being from Montreal, you knew was going to get the hometown heroes welcome. And he did. And that's fine. That's fine. Now, uh, I didn't expect Montreal to, to boo one of their own. Uh, I would have I would have liked if Kevin Owens showed up somehow and he didn't. But oh, earlier we had Roman tell Sammy, hey, go tell your boy that I don't owe anyone anything. So there's something going on there. Interesting to see where Sammy's loyalties are going to lie when the chips are down. I think they may be starting something here with Sammy Zane, who is best friends with Kevin Owens. Now they've had their differences in the past, and I guess they just chalk that up to whatever. But now that he's trying to get in with the bloodline, what is Sammy going to do when the chips are down if he's also trying to play the other side of the coin and be buddy-buddy with K.O.? You know, so I, I I think his loyalties may be stretched or contrasted a bit as we move forward. We'll see. But Sami Zayn gets injured, and I say that in a pro wrestling sense, has to leave the match halfway through. And this match went on for like a half an hour, but it was really good. Okay, really good. Ricochet had some standout moments. He, he hit his uh, Billy Kidman uh, shooting star press. We had Sheamus get a near fall, we had Baron Corbin who just kept spoiling the moment. Madcap Moss of course continues to get that that uh that exposure that semi-main event exposure and that's good, but I'd still like him to eventually talk and get a character. That'd be good. So, yeah, th- this was this was good and uh we had Sheamus get the victory. Yes, Sheamus. So Sheamus wins and outside of the bruised and cut leg that he had, but boy, that, that looked brutal. Uh, I think that Sheamus performed well, and they could maybe be turning him into a baby face. They have to do something because Gunther is not turning baby face. Seamus has done it. No one really cares too much about his character enough to feel that they would be slighted by investing all this time in his character only to have him turn baby face. There's really nobody out there that's like that. So, I think that this is is going to be good for his career. And this could be the end of, possibly, the end of Fight Night or the Brawling Brutes, maybe. Because we haven't seen them in quite some time. And maybe Triple H just quietly disbanded them and thought that was a stupid idea by Vince. So, that's possible. And Sheamus right now is kind of also back to basics. But we don't know what version of him we're going to get. However, Gunther versus uh, versus Sheamus in a one-on-one matchup in Wales. I mean, it kind of favors Sheamus, does it not? In terms of crowd reaction, I think Gunther will retain, but I don't know. The, but the match was really good. We also uh, had Zayn at one point get a really, really convincing near fall with hitting the haluva kick or the hell of a kick on uh, a Ricochet. And then going for the cover and only to have Baron Corbin steal that moment. And I actually was sold into that moment. Hook, line, and sinker. That got me. So what else happened? Well, by the way, a really good. You know, 30-minute matchup. No complaints here. Eats up a lot of time. You have five great wrestlers. And it's in front of a hot crowd. No problem here. So let's see here. Liv Morgan versus Shotzi. Oh, and the the Viking funeral. Um, the Viking funeral. I. 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 I think it was interesting. It took their characters to a different level. It darkened their characters instead of just these kind of generic. You know, big men that look like they just want to play dress up as Vikings and actually try to make them authentically Vikings. And I appreciate the effort there. Even if it doesn't end up working, at least, you know, they've tried. They're they're trying to truly make us believe in a pro wrestling sense that these two guys are actually Vikings. So we'll have to see if that actually continues to play out. But at least the video packages, the video package for the Viking Raiders, I thought was very effective. I thought it did what it needed to do to make us take them more seriously. And the funeral that they had for the new day was fun. Now, do I think this is leading to a Big E return? Probably at some point, Kofi and Xavier, not on SmackDown made me very happy, but yeah. Oh, carrying cross then had a, a a nice little sit down interview and it was more of a, a, uh, promo, but the quote of this, and this is again not just from the video, but also WWE itself tweeted this quote out from the video, basically telling us what's the most important point of this whole thing, and that is they chose you, and they were wrong. So, sending that message to Drew McIntyre primarily, but secondarily sending that message to Roman Reigns. So, carrying cross. I mean, he continues to shine. I have no issues with the way that they portrayed him. It is real. It's it's just easy to understand. Well, no, I shouldn't say it's easy to understand. It's He's compelling. He's got a lot of charisma oozing through the screen, and it's something that on the main roster especially, the, especially on the main roster when he came up and Vince just screwed him up completely, Um, that you know you're seeing something in him that, that is compelling and, and it just grabs you, and I love I love this right now. So, all right, what else happened in this uh, in this match? I already told you about uh, well, Liv Morgan versus Shotzi. So we get Liv Morgan and Shotzi, and I was listening very closely to Liv Morgan's reaction, and I thought it was very generally positive. Unless the sound was being manipulated, it sounded genuinely positive for Liv. And that's a good thing. Because I, I want to see Liv play out the babyface as much as she can. So, I think that this matchup with Shotzi and, um, and Liv Morgan was fine. And it was really just to get over Liv. Because I think WWE is hearing loud and clear that the problem with Liv is that people don't respect her as a champion, that her credibility is shot because of how she won it and how she defended that championship. So there's that, you know, hanging over her head. So getting this victory, with a really sloppy oblivion, by the way, but, I mean, the rest of the match was fine, but uh, outside of that, the purpose of this was to try to give credit, give respect, add some type of authenticity to live as champion. I think that's the purpose of this matchup. We also had uh, immediately after Shayna Baszler attacking Liv Morgan, threatening to break her arm. The announcers harping back on when Rousey said to, Sh- to Shayna off air a couple of weeks ago, whatever happened to you, you used to be a monster you used to be or you used to be a killer set off air very effective and I think that they are going to follow that narrative that the announcers are and maybe even the wrestlers themselves follow this and uh you know that I used to be a killer what the hell happened to me and it's true it is true that's exactly what people are wondering what the hell happened to the real Shayna Baszler you know the Shayna Baszler that took out five other women in the elimination chamber a couple of years ago that same Shayna Baszler yeah So let's see here Uh, again. Oblivion was not uh, perfect. Exactly. Shayna didn't actually snap the arm of Liv; She threatened to, but said she'll do it at clash at the castle. So, yeah. Alrighty. Let's see what else. Uh, Oh, the the reigns and McIntyre face to face. I didn't have a problem with this. They boy did. Roman's entrance lasts more than a lot of segments that are you know, actually wrestling matches on the show. Roman Reigns' entrance is just so long. But the crowd ate it up. I mean, the Montreal crowd was really into Roman here, really into Roman. And they even started chanting for Roman and had a hard time cheering for Drew. They weren't booing Drew, but they understand what kind of star Roman is right now the kind of historic run he's on is champion right now. So, I think that the, the fans in in the arena knew what they had. And especially the fact that Roman doesn't show up that often at all either. So there is that. But this match or this uh this this segment was fine. And it yes, it ended in a brawl, but that's okay. And having having uh Drew Helluva kick, Sami Zayn who took takes yet another bullet for the Bloodline, and then having Reigns get kind of I think it looked kind of sloppy, but I mean, it could be the camera angle. Regardless, Roman also as he goes for a spear, gets the claymore, and then we have Drew holding up the two championship belts above his head to end the show. So I think this is this was effective. We needed a little bit of one-on-one time. How long have we waited for this one-on-one with Roman and Drew? At this, at least at this level. It's been a long time. And again, we're going to have to see if Drew ends up taking one or both of, or none of those belts at Clash of the Castle. But there's a big thing coming. I, I really do believe that with Triple H now in charge, and that's to me the deciding factor that we are going to see a title change or titles change at Clash at the Castle. I I think that is probably what we're looking at. I'd favor that. Now, if Vince were still in charge, the answer to this would be an easy no. But this is where Triple H might differ in his plan, in his vision for Roman as champion and Drew maybe taking the, the, the helm here. We'll see. We have, uh, of course, we have a couple of weeks to talk about it, and we'll have a, an official preview and prediction show prior to the event. So let's, uh, let's see here. What else do I want to? What else do I want to talk about? I feel like there's like little segments that I don't address that I probably should. I'm looking at, any, oh, hit row. That's the one thing I didn't talk about. Hit row. Now last week I came out on here. And I said that Hit Row is good on the mic, at least in terms of energy, and they're good in the ring, but they sound so rehearsed and rigid. Well, that wasn't the problem this week. The problem this week was we got a very poorly sung, uh, you know, nobody asked for a concert. And maybe it's because I'm not a big fan of that kind of music anyway, that it doesn't help things. But I also don't think it sounded good. You know, I don't think it had a good beat. I don't think it had a. You know, and it didn't catch on. It was just like people actually at the end of it booed. If you listen, Montreal was like, "Screw this!" Boo. Yep, I. I we all heard it. I heard it. You guys had to have heard it. It was bad. I, there's just no other way to put it. It was just. It was bad. Uh, we had Top Dollar. And a shout to the Adonis, okay. And they were all singing and it was just I don't even know what they were singing about. It didn't really matter too much. It was just a concert, it was the entertainment y part of things, and I have I, I like hit row as as the name of the group is badass. The hit row, like hit row, how cool is that name? That's great, but also you know, the the look of them is great. I love their look. They seem legitimate. But then they bring in this... It's like once they open their mouths, it's like, oh, they ruin it for me. And it's because last week and you know, before they got fired, I felt like they felt very rehearsed and very produced. Now they come out and they just put on a makeshift concert no one asked for, and it was bad as well. So, uh, again, this is one man's opinion. One, you guys may love them, and that's great. I, I have nothing... on. Un- against them in terms of in-ring. I think they have a bright future. I think they are there truly to replace the the, the Street Profits. I know that the Street Profits haven't officially broken up yet, but I think that that is in the works, and they need a team to replace the Street Profits, who I know are on Raw, but that doesn't really matter, at least right now. What else here? Let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw and... Let's go into it here. So, Damian Priest challenges Edge to a match. By the way, they hyped up next week, or at least in two days. Tomorrow, Monday Night Raw in Toronto. Edge versus Damian Priest, the Punisher of the New Day. Or the New Day. The Judgment Day. However, the Judgment Day also beat down Rey Mysterio. So... Now, you know, this is... Something I've kind of grinded into a fine powder almost too much. I will say, just in short, keep an eye out for Dominic Mysterio. I still believe this whole thing is to have Dom turn. That's the whole purpose for this, I believe. But maybe we still get you know the second best, like okay, Edge is still heel or something. But okay, Damian Priest, as I said, challenged Edge, Oscar and Alexa Bliss. And uh, I'm sorry, Asuka and Alexa Bliss defeat Dewdrop and Nikki Ash via a submission. They advance in the women's tag team title tournament. The Miz and Champa defeat Ali and Alexander when Champa hit Ali with a fairy tale ending. So uh, Champa, Champa continues to roll. And if you're again, the golden rule is if you're new, you go on a hot streak. I mean, that's just I've never seen anyone. Can somebody name a debut? Where that person comes in and they just lose and lose and lose and lose. I can't. I mean, outside of hilariously Brock Lesnar, right? Like how many times did he lose outside of winning that fatal five way to become WWE champion, just so that he could give it to Roman at the main event of WrestleMania. Give me an example. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Um, Riddle attacked Rollins. And challenged him to a match at Clash at the Castle. Rollins was in the ring and he was waiting for Riddle's health update. But Rollins believed Riddle was at home. He wasn't. He said he was medically cleared. He ran to the ring. They brawled. And then uh, we had Seth Rollins scurry up the stairs out out of harm's way. And so this is fine. And I think it might lead leading to Randy Orton coming back. I would imagine that's probably where they're headed. And having Riddle uh, get a piece of Rollins is fun. Veer Mahan, our boy, he's back defeating. My God, how did he do it? Bo Keller via submission. And he beat him with none other, none other than the cervical clutch. Boy, that just doesn't sound pleasant. Whoever named that move wasn't thinking of the uh, female, you know, female anatomy did not exactly uh, cross this person's mind when they they named that particular finish Uh the United States championship with Lashley versus AJ styles was a lot of fun, just as Champa and Lashley was the prior week. And we had Dexter Loomis jumped the guardrail, but we had security tackle him. It was uh It's fun to watch Dexter Loomis kind of make his comeback here and they do it in a way that makes him look like a fan that's not supposed to be here. But also the match itself between AJ and Bobby Lashley was really good. And I can't hammer this hard home enough. The reinvigoration, the refocus of the Intercontinental and the United States Championship has been a massive breath of fresh air. It's added something so desperately to both of those belts where, you know, like before, like just a month ago, you're looking at them going, yeah, well, it's a U.S. belt, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it, it's just another U.S. title match. Now you look at it and go, huh, this this is cool. Like you instantly feel more like that belt means something. And I hope they continue with it over the several next several weeks. Maybe a video package here and there still coming. But also talk to the wrestlers themselves. What does it mean to them? for being champion or to be champion or wanting to be champion. So, all right, let's see here. We got, um, Bobby Lashley beating AJ for the United States championship, but then theory makes a comeback after seemingly what a week or two. It seemed like a long time, but he's back and he took on Dolph Ziggler after hitting a town down. I'm doing the hand gesture. You guys can't see whatever the hell that means. And, and, Earlier in the night, Theory and Ziggler brawled backstage because Ziggler interrupted a Theory interview about his Money in the Bank contract. So Ziegler is the one who is, at least in this particular instance, being the aggressor. But if we're all supposed to just forget, it was Theory, or rather, Ziegler, um, who started this whole thing to begin with anyway, and Theory is just following suit. So there is that. But uh, let's see what else happens. Um, that might do it for right now. I, I expect a very big show tomorrow night in Toronto, and they're going to make it very obvious of where they're from. Edge will get a massive babyface reaction, and it also creates an opportunity for the hometown heroes to get beat down in their hometown. Just because Edge is there doesn't mean he's going to win. In fact, oh, uh, you know, au contraire, I think. It could be the opposite. How many times have we seen people get beat up in their hometowns because it generates the most heat? So I think that could be in store for Edge at uh, uh, Monday Night Raw tomorrow night or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. So let me see what else happened, guys. I, I don't know. I know that there's little little things here and there. Uh, the, obviously, the promo with KO and... Uh, Drew McIntyre was something that we didn't know we needed, and now we know we do. At some point, these two will collide, and it'll be for a championship, or maybe just a headlining the the uh, you know the 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 pay per view because there's a personal feud that could still happen. So overall, I thought it was a good week of wrestling. I think that WWE, as I said at the open, continues to show you. Right now, in the small sample size that Triple H has been at the head of creative and talent, uh, I think that you are starting to see him put his money where his mouth is in a small way, but a smart way, strategic way. This is not something he's jumping into. He's taking his time. He's making his mark where he can, and he feels it's safe, but he's not just jumping right into the deep end right away. And that's a smart, smart thing for him. So... Alright, everybody. Well, I don't know if that does it, but don't forget, if you didn't know, I have a Patreon that you can get yourself onto and you can get yourself signed up. And why is that important? Well, number one, it's only a dollar a month. Okay. So if you want to get on to the dollar a month train and you don't want to spend on a bunch of money to go ad free, that is the way to do it. Um, we also offer shout outs on this show when you become a patron and uh, patreon.com slash WWE podcast. So two new uh pledges here we've got and I I apologize if I've already given you guys credit and you're like hey you shouted me out well I forgot okay uh Jeff and Screw uh Screw's Tonic so Jeff Hey and Screw's Tonic welcome to the family I hope you guys enjoy your ad free Experience. There's certainly a lot of stuff for you guys to to, uh, to to listen through if you don't want ads. It's a great place to go and get a Discord server, so I'd highly highly recommend it. That pretty much does it for my week in review, everyone. We have another show coming to you tomorrow. Now, last week, Anthony and I couldn't make our schedules work, so I put out an old show. This week, I hope it can because we've got a lot to talk about with Clash of the Castle just two weeks away. So tomorrow I'll be back with Anthony, hopefully, with a a, a WWE current state of the, the product show. And then Tuesday is the, the uh, Monday Night Raw Review. Wednesday is the mailbag. So that pretty much covers it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.